1: NFL Week 12 is upon us, John McKechnie, and we are here to break everything down from a gambling perspective as we do each week. Uh, Big slate, John, spread across multiple days. Unique week, of course, with Thanksgiving. we got three games coming at us tomorrow on Thursday. We get the first ever, the inaugural NFL Black Friday game between the Dolphins and the Tim Boyle-led New York Jets. And with no teams on by, still a nice size, Sunday slate right you know sometimes when you have these weird slates you feel like you get a little short change but we got a nice robust early window we still got four games in the late window on Sunday and then of course the usual Sunday and Monday night football as well looking forward to diving in on all this with you man how are you?
2: I'm doing great I love Thanksgiving I love uh I love the full slate of action on on Thursday carries you throughout the day um and then you know it's cool to have the Black Friday game and Sunday's gonna be awesome too and you know what Even Vikings-Bears to cap
1: off uh, the the weekend on Monday night, not bad. Pretty watchable, if nothing else. Yeah, I'm enjoying watching this Vikings team. Even the Bears have become uh, a little bit more frisky over the last couple of weeks. Getting Justin Fields back last week certainly helps there. Uh, Excited to see your Ravens in action on Sunday night. But uh, let's dive in on the Thursday slate, John. We'll try to spend a couple minutes on each game and rifle through this uh, at a good pace. Packers-Lions. Lions, seven and a half point favorites at home, our total up at 47. Am I wrong to, to be all over Detroit here? I think this is a, it's the rare bounce back after a win spot uh, for the Detroit Lions, who I thought played a pretty terrible game, you know, just were handing turnovers to the Chicago Bears early on and then storm back late. And it feels like the Bears blow like five games a year like this, where they actually play pretty well. You're feeling pretty good. There's four minutes and 15 seconds left. How could they lose a two score lead? Well, they did. Uh, good on the Detroit Lions though to, to come back and win that game. You know, I was telling you earlier, that's the type of game that, you know, the, the classic Detroit Lions lose every single time. And I think for them to to find a way to battle back, not get the cover, which would hurt us in the circuit contest, but win that game outright. You know, you survive an ugly outing. And I don't think they're playing that bad again. Not at home, not on Thanksgiving, and not against an extremely banged up Packers team.
2: Right. The, the Packers injuries is what kind of uh, steers me towards the, the Lions being able to, to get the cover here. You you know, seven and a half. It's it's tricky. The Lions beat them pretty good earlier this season in, in Lambeau Field. And, you know, th- this really comes down to Jordan Love, right? Because Aaron Jones, we don't think he's going to play. Uh, A.J. Dillon's been on the injury report. Emmanuel Wilson went on IR earlier. So some Patrick Taylor action potentially. So basically, uh, it's going to be Jordan Love and a ragtag group of receivers that is also banged up as well. Musgrave is uh, on IR, I believe you said, and uh, Dontavian Wicks got hurt. So, oh boy, it's, it's a lot to ask of Jordan Love. So I, I think all three favorites, not to spoil it too much, I think all three favorites cover on Thursday. But I'm the least confident in the Lions. But I, I do think that the Packers are just a little bit too shorthanded on a short week to to uh, to stay in this.
1: I, I would rank it Niners, Lions, Cowboys, I think in terms of confidence. And it's, it's really just about the number with Dallas and the fact that Washington, this, this would just be a very Washington thing to do to like show up in this spot after hitting rock bottom last week. Like this yep. is just kind of who the commanders are. Um, it, it says a lot that we, we were mentioning Dontavian Wicks as like a key injury for the Packers, but it really is. I mean, he's been a playmaker for them. He's been you know, arguably more effective than Christian Watson on balance this season. And uh, you know the running back room is banged up. The receivers are banged up. The tight ends are banged up. And I, I think Jordan Love is going to have a tough time repeating you know, what we saw last week against this Lions defense. So I, I lead Lions. I, I don't know if we'll use it on the circuit card, but uh, that would be my play for, for Packers Lions. Let's talk Commanders Cowboys. Numbers up to 12 and a half, John. It continues to swell in favor of Dallas. We know what the Cowboys do in these games, right? Bad opponent at home. All they've done this season is just completely annihilate those teams. I mean, they're winning at home by an average of 22 and a half points per game, uh, you know, 160 to 50 has been the total score in Dallas Cowboys home games. They basically only played mediocre to bad teams in those spots, but I, I don't see how we we think of Washington as anything other than that.
2: Right, so the the line has climbed a little bit. This was 9 on the on the look ahead, it was 11 earlier this week, it's locked at 12 at Circa, it's 12 and a half at DraftKings, but it's still under 13. So that that's enough for me to to feel good about the the Cowboys in this spot. We we know that uh they're a team that that doesn't play with its food. Like when they have a bad team outside of that Cardinals game, they are probably going to win in a very convincing fashion. I think uniquely this is a bad matchup for Washington, um, given that they're they're, uh, woes against good pass rushes. Dallas definitely has one of those. Um, So I think we could see Sam Howell just kind of on his back for for most of the afternoon. That's going to be tough. Um, I know know there's been some consternation about CeeDee Lamb being a little bit dinged up with the ankle, but I still think that the Cowboys have enough offensive firepower to, to get this done. And I think, frankly, they, they might get a little bit of help on the scoring part uh, from their defense here. So I like the Cowboys here. And if I'm looking at player props for this one, take a look, see at one Jake Ferguson. You know who leads the league in red zone targets? Is it Jake Ferguson? It's Jake Ferguson. Well, he's tied with yeah. Devontae Adams, but they, they are they are number one. They're 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 splitting the gold medal. On that through eleven weeks, and he's obviously as a result number one among tight ends. He's got four touchdowns so far this season. I like Ferguson as the first touchdown score because if we're looking at this game, who do you think is going to score first? Probably the probably the Cowboys. And so. Pollard Pollard has had his issues getting into the end zone. We we all know that uh, Washington has not given up much in the way of rushing scores this year, so I think it's going to come through the air. I think with Lamb being a little bit dinged up, plus seven fifty for Ferguson to, to score that first touchdown. Love that. I like Ferguson as the anytime, of course, as yep. well. And f- first touchdown, a little bit dicey, but hey, it's Thanksgiving. Uh, let's have a little fun with it. You know, don't uh, don't you know, sink everything into that. But first
1: touchdown for Ferguson, I'm into that. I, I say sink everything in. Just do it. Why not? <laughs> um, you know, the only the only thing is like Luke Schoonmaker has been you know kind of forcing his way into this conversation uh, a little bit. He had a touchdown last week and like I have been I've been hammering the uh the more on the Jake Ferguson anytime touchdown over on prize picks because I'm here in Wisconsin and, and that's what I have to do and you know I I, I always they, they look the same to me right and like when Schoonmaker had that touchdown I'm like all right let's go baby Jake Ferguson and then he gets up and it's like wait that, that's that's a Schoonmaker that doesn't say Ferguson but no I think that's a great call by you no question on that so we, we like both of the favorites in those early Thanksgiving games and I can tell you John It might be square. I like the favorite in Niners Seahawks as well. 49ers up to seven and a half point favorites at DraftKings. You'll still see some sevens out there. There's actually an eight. They're eight point favorites at points bet still at seven uh, at FanDuel. I I think this is a a just really, really good spot for San Francisco. Other than having to go to Seattle for this one, you're catching Geno Smith banged up. You're catching Kenneth Walker banged up. He's not going to play. DK Metcalf is on the injury report. He's had every injury in the book so far this season. Um, you know, there's some reason to believe that Zach Charbonnet can could give this this Seattle running game a jolt, but I just I don't I don't think that's what it's going to take. Like this is not a game where Seattle has to run the ball. It's like you got to keep up with the 49ers and, and that's asking a lot uh, of a bruised tricep Geno Smith and a Seattle team that even in even in games that they win, they just they cannot convert third downs. They move the ball and you know, it's third and 4 and they they, they just can't keep going. I I you know, they, I think they've been lucky in a lot of ways to to be sitting where they are, you know, to win that Browns game a few weeks ago. Um, Who who did they play two weeks ago? I'm totally blanking. There was another game that they won. uh, They won at the buzzer on a kick. Uh, Washington. Washington. Yeah, they were lucky to win both of those games. I think that luck came back around last week, you know, missing the 55 yarder against the Rams, uh, a game that they really gave away after a strong start. Uh, Just not the team you want to face right now. If you're Seattle, this kicks off a brutal portion of their schedule.
2: Exactly. So I think the Niners are back to who they were through the first month or so of the season. Uh, Purdy needs to keep playing well. That's been a key for for them. A lot of turnovers during their losing streak. Six touchdowns, no interceptions since the bye over those last two games. They're healthy. Debo Samuel's back. Trent Williams is back. Brandon Ayuk is playing extremely well. Kittle. um, As far as props are concerned for this one, I like McCaffrey to score two or more touchdowns. In this Mm -hmm. one, you can get that at about five to one at, at most shops. So interested there. I think the Niners paced him. I, I it concerns me almost a little bit that the line's not higher, but even still, I mean, this was four right. and a half. I think going in into last weekend, and it's it's up to seven now. Um, I, I think I'd be comfortable taking an alternate number like up to nine and a half on the Niners yep. to to get me to, to plus one oh three. So I I really am in on, on the 49ers here. I think that they they make a statement. I don't think we get a particularly interesting game on Thursday night, but Hey, it's football. Uh, you know, if, it, if it's bad, we can just watch the Egg Bowl, right? But uh,
1: you know, I, I think I think the yeah. Niners go in go in and really uh, take it to them. Yeah, San Francisco ten and one against the spread in their last eleven divisional games. Let's move on to Black Friday. Dolphins, Jets, Dolphins, ten point favorites at the New York Jets. You'll see some nine and a halfs out there as well. Uh, would recommend grabbing that. I like Miami here. It's just. It's hard to like the Jets in, in any spot right now. I, I don't think going to Tim Boyle is, is going to change anything. I think that was a change for the sake of change. And I, I don't fault the Jets for doing that because you, you got to get a look. You, you got to try anything at this point. And it's just clear that Zach Wilson was not going to turn that corner. Uh, but I, I don't think that really moves the calculus for me. The question is, you know, can the Jets defense show up here and, you know, kind of do something similar to what we saw the Raiders do to the Dolphins a week ago?
2: Right. So that that's tricky and that, you know, the Dolphins will, will be on the road. Uh, in, in this particular setup, so it's it's tricky to to you know to cover nine points against a defense that good, but when the offense is as inept as the Jets are, where like I feel like personally their their team total might be like thirteen points or something, I think the the Dolphins will be able to to you know get into the into the mid twenties, and therefore get the cover. I'm not as strong on it as, as I was on, on the Cowboys or, or the Niners, but um I, I think that the chalk reigns supreme again, the public all over the dolphins, understandably. So Uh 81% of the money is coming in on the dolphins, but I roll with the, the public in this particular instance. I think the jets offense is just in that bad of tatters to where it's like they were able to keep things together through the first 10, 10 or so nine weeks of the season and have a respectable record, but losing the last couple of games and, and having to make this change to Tim Boyle, who probably even worse than, than Zach Wilson, if that's possible, that just, that does not bode well for, for them. So give me the fins.
1: Yeah. Hard, hard to find a reason to back the jets here. I, I think this is a defense that, you know, some of the games they won early on, you know, even going back to week one against Buffalo, you, you kind of felt like the defense had this aura of like, all right, you know what we could, we could put this team on our back. Like we could, we could get to eight or nine wins just because our defense is so strong. And like these last couple of weeks, I've, I've gotten the feeling that that this defense has kind of realized it's just not going to happen. Right. And we, we mm-hmm. saw, you know, tension start to boil over a few times in that bills game last week, you know, sauce Gardner got, got burned for a long touchdown, which is just uncharacteristic. And I can I, I get the sense that the Jets are kind of resigned to their fate. And I, I also don't know if you want to be playing Miami coming off of a game that they just had. Right. You know, we'll, we'll talk about some teams that, you know, played below their level last week. You know, similar to the discussion about the Detroit Lions. Like, I don't I don't know if Miami's doing that again. Right. I thought that was in some ways. I thought that was two of his worst game of the year. Uh, you know I, know, I know they won, um, but I, I thought he was just weirdly kind of locking in on receivers. You know, the running game never got going. I think the HN injury early on kind of threw them off a little bit as well. Um, so I, I don't think you want to be catching the Dolphins, you know, coming off of a 20 point game because the chances that happen again, even on the road, I I, I think are pretty slim.
2: I, I do as well. So the, look for that bounce back. And, and yeah, I think maybe, you know, that defense is unbelievable. But I think there, there's just a limit to to that belief when when the offense is so unable to hold up its end of the bargain. I think it wears on you after a while.
1: All right, interesting one in the NFC South, John. Saints Falcons. This game is in Atlanta. Uh, you'll see some pickums out there. I know that's where it locked in the circuit contest. Uh, I'm seeing Falcons minus one and a half at FanDuel. Uh, I'm seeing the Saints minus one at BetMGM. Falcons minus one at DraftKings. So kind of pick your number on this one. Uh, but ultimately, it's it's kind of a pick the winner type of game. I, I just I, I kind of swore off the Atlanta Falcons a few weeks ago, they have burned me so many times in in my various gambling interests this season. Uh, Am I wrong to think that this is actually a decent spot for them? Like, am I just, you know, walking right into another trap?
2: I I think with the Falcons being at home, I I think that this is an okay spot for them. They've they've had the week, you know, with with changing over back to to Desmond Ritter. And obviously we've uh, banged on Desmond Ritter pretty hard over the course of the season. But now they have the extra week to kind of dial things back in for, for what the offense will look like. Uh, with him back at the helm, um, I think when you look at the Saints, they're pretty banged up at key spots. If there are cars out there, I think that that, that actually is a is a negative uh, for the Saints. But if Winston's out there, you probably feel pretty good about the, the Falcons being able to force some turnovers. So either way, I'm in on the Falcons on this one, which, you know, it obviously makes you feel gross. This is, this is definitely a stay away as far as our, our
1: uh, circuit ticket is concerned. But I do side uh, with the Falcons in this spot. The injuries for New Orleans are what might make the difference for me. No, Michael Thomas. Not that that's as big as it would have been three years ago, um, but still you're down a weapon there. Uh, Love AT Perry, by the way, in DFS this weekend, uh, get him fired up. Um, On the defensive side of the ball too, Marshawn Lattimore, you know, he's kind of been in and out all year and seems like he's always banged up and they, you know, they, they suffered a high ankle sprain back in week 10. I mean, both these teams are coming off of a bye, and there's already been some indications earlier in the week that he might not be ready to go and, you know, you could argue that that matters like literally the least uh, against the Falcons uh, compared to any other team, but still, a, you know, potentially a pretty huge loss for that Saints defense. And you know, you said it like the the quarterback position for for New Orleans is is just a disaster, right? Not that it's a whole lot better for Atlanta, but I, I weirdly feel, I, I feel like Jameis Winston is better for this current construction, like a, a team that like they, they need the variance at this point. Like they, you'll live with the two interceptions if, if Jameis is throwing three touchdowns because We've seen what this offense is with Derek Carr, right? Like, there's been a few a few weeks where you start to think, all right, maybe they got it going, but it's 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 the checkdown raid.
2: It, I mean, it's it's awful to watch. Um, you 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 get a guy like Chris Olave. I mean, the in game split in that Vikings game where where Olave through like the first half or up until uh, Derek Carr got hurt, zero targets. And then he still ended up having a useful fantasy day because Jameis Winston at least knows, hey, Chris Olavi's pretty good. I'm going to throw it in his direction and see what happens. Um, so, yeah, if it's Carr out there, it's just going to be very vanilla. I think it's going to play into the hands of, of the Falcons defense extremely favorably. So, um, yeah, I think Carr would make me feel much stronger about, about the Falcons in this spot. But if it, even if it's Winston, I still feel good about Atlanta here.
1: This RotoWire podcast is brought to you by my favorite meal kit, Factor. I gave Factor a try, and I could tell you firsthand eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready to eat meals. Every meal arrives fresh, not frozen, and they're chef crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. Every week, you'll have over 35 different options to choose from, and there's something for every diet, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. So what are you waiting for? Get started today and get after those wellness goals. One of my favorite things about Factor, is the convenience. We're talking meals that are good to go in two minutes or less. You can fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat wherever you are. There's no prep, there's no mess, no cooking, no cleanup, none of that. It's perfect if you have a busy lifestyle and you can't dedicate an hour plus each day to preparing lunch or preparing dinner, Factor's the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Factor also offers options for every meal. Pancakes, smoothies, you name it. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, dinner, whatever you need, Factor has it. Factor's also tailored to your schedule, so you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals each week. Plus, you could pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. We've done the math. We've run the numbers over here. Factor is less expensive than takeout and every meal is dietitian approved to be both nutritious and delicious. Head over to factormeals.com rotowire50 and use the code rotowire50. That'll get you 50% off your order. That's code rotowire50 at factormeals.com slash rotowire50 to get 50% off today.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all.
1: Uh, Well, very prescient alert that I just got on my phone here, John. Ian Rappaport tweeting that Derek Carr was a full participant in practice today. He's out of concussion protocol. Dirty Uh, birds. So there we go. Burn it up, baby. Uh, All right, let's move on to Steelers-Bengals. Another game with a one-point spread. Uh, You see mostly Steelers minus one. Uh, You see some one-and-a-halves out there. Uh, I believe that's where it's at at FanDuel. But uh, mostly Steelers minus one. Low total, 34-and-a-half, as you'd expect. Uh, Now we get the Jake Browning experience for the Cincinnati Bengals uh, what do you expect to see here I, I'm leaning Steelers grind out a very 2023 Steelers win
2: yeah I don't think that that Cincinnati can do what Cleveland did um, you know where, where they're they're dealing with the backup quarterback situation that they, they have an offense that that isn't going to be able to move the ball um, but the defense is good enough to, to kind of help them Find their way to a win and and you know uh, mess up the the Steelers offense enough to to get it done. I don't really take much away from from Matt Canada being fired. I still think that this is a Steelers offense that's going to be in trouble the rest of the season. But I just don't think that the the Bengals defense is is quite good enough to to win them this game or keep them in it the way that the Browns was. So I like the Steelers here. I I mean I, I hope I watch as little of this game as possible. I mean the the total, like you said, really looks like a, an earlier season uh, Iowa. Hawkeyes type of game. Now their totals are down in like the 26, 27 yeah. range, which is Disgusting. unbelievable. That, that's going to give me some some interest on, on Friday. That's going to be an electric under to bet. But um, beyond that, um, it, the Steelers just go in and take care of business. They're, they're going to win this game. I, I think that Jake Browning, uh, he has no ability to push the ball down the field. Uh, there's going to be a lot of checkdowns. There's going to be a lot of short drives. Uh, three and outs for the Bengals. Eventually, you know, one of Jalen Warren or Najee Harris will, will break off the big run. And, and that could be like the
1: deciding factor in what what ends up being like a 17 to 10 type of Steelers win. So you watch Jake Browning really closely at Washington. Like, is there any chance that we're underestimating what he can be?
2: Well, one of the greatest calls of my life was that Washington was going to make the playoff in 2016. And they did. Um, but that was the only year in which jake browning threw more than 20 touchdowns in any of his four years starting at washington he was like 16 touchdowns 19 touchdowns or 16 touchdowns 43 touchdowns in that magical year and then 19 and, and 17 something like that so um he he just was a legend for one year and is maybe in the league just because of that one year all that all those years ago um i'm i was surprised that, to see that he was the backup there in Cincinnati but yeah, I don't I don't think that there's really, he was he was a great ter, uh, caretaker, I thought, last week for, for the Bengals. But they needed more than that. Uh, if They were going to catch up against Baltimore. And and I think in, in this spot, uh, especially with a week for the, the Steelers defense to prepare and probably throw some crazy, you know, kitchen sink type of
1: stuff at him. I think he's in for a long Sunday. Do you want to guess who is dead last in rush defense EPA on the year? Is it the Cincinnati Bengals? It's the Cincinnati Bengals. This defense has quietly mm. slid over the last couple of weeks. So that's, that to me is, it's not as much of a concern as going from J- Joe Burrow to Jake Browning. I mean, obviously that's a, a massive, massive downgrade, a especially shot. for an offense. Well, for an offense that relies so much on, on timing and, and kind of the, the connection with Burrow and Jason and and Higgins, like that's just, it's kind of out the window. Now you can't build that over a course of a week, but the, the defense had shown signs of slippage before we had any idea that Joe Burrow was banged up. And, you know, Pittsburgh, we don't think of them as a good running team by any means. A lot of the advanced numbers would say they're actually solid. And I think, you know, the more we see Jalen Warren, that's a big part of it. The touchdowns have not been there, but like yardage wise, yards per carry, yards per attempt, like they're they're doing all right in that respect. And I think this is one where you don't have to ask Kenny Pickett to go win the game for you, right? And I think from going going to play in Cleveland last week to now at what's a just not a good Cincinnati defense. You know, they're, they're probably average at best on the whole and just not very good against the run. I, I think this is a pretty good spot for Pittsburgh. Let's talk Jags Texans. Uh, Oh, go ahead.
2: Yeah, just as long as Kenny Pickard uh, doesn't turn the ball over, I I think the Steelers win this one. Rather, it'll be a game that, like, it's a a seven point victory for the Steelers, but it doesn't look that close.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I think, I think, yeah, I I don't think they run away with this game by any means. I don't think the Steelers are capable of doing that. And, you know, the 34 and a half total uh, would back that up. Jags Texans, man, the battle for the AFC South. I am nervous. For this one, I'm more nervous than I am excited. Jags got to go on the road to Houston. They are giving a point and a half to the Texans, so we're seeing some respect for the Jaguars. They, of course, got blown out by Houston in Jacksonville back in Week Three. Jags seemingly got got the ship turned in the right direction. You know, they played. You know, all in all, maybe their best game of the year last week against Tennessee. I think that was kind of the the most that this offense has clicked for for four quarters throughout the season, and you know, basically had it sewn up by the end of the third. Uh, it got to the point, John, that we we saw the official victory cigar from the Jags, where they they ran Tech Bigsby eight times in a row uh, on a clock clearing drive in the fourth quarter.
2: That that's uh, that's a heck of a victory cigar. I think that that it's more like a Dutch master that, than a Cubano, right? But um, you know, point stance. But um, as it as it comes to digesting that game and, and dissecting what it actually means, you know, I, I think. They caught the Titans at the exact right time and they had the exact right game plan dialed up. Uh, I know that there've been some kind of interesting splits when it comes to Calvin Ridley's good performances this year and how kind of tethered they oddly enough are to, to Zay Jones um, being out there on the field. So I don't know why that they, they, uh, they kind of have that, that correlation, but uh, in this game, you got Derek Stingley on the other side, the Titans don't have anyone close to that. Um, so I, I imagine Ridley comes back to earth this week, looks a little bit more like what we've seen um, and I, I think the Texans are going to throw a good game plan at them defensively. I think uh, Jacksonville is still kind of stuck in the mud offensively. Again, I, I just don't really take a ton from last week's game against the Titans. I could be wrong if, if that was the start of something, obviously. But um, I trust the the tight, or I'm sorry the the Texans offense a little bit more in this spot. I like that the Texans are at home and getting some points here. So I, I side with the Texans,
1: and I would not uh, mind putting this on the card. I don't know if I could do that to myself emotionally, but I, I reluctantly I reluctantly side with Houston as well. I, I think you know, both teams have had their their kind of down games. Like you forget, it wasn't that long ago that the Texans, you know, completely fell flat and gave the Panthers their only win of the season, right? And like that was CJ Stroud has kind of taken off since then. And and obviously he had played well before that game, but like that's that's as much of a disaster to me as the Jags against the 49ers, especially when you consider the opponents. Like I, I do think I do think there's a pretty good chance that Jacksonville can win this game. You know, implied probability comes in at about 53%. Uh, but with this game being in Houston, you know, I, I think I think both teams are going to struggle to run the ball. I know Houston's been better on the ground lately. I think that that ends this week against that Jags defense. And the Jags have just not been a good running team all year. Uh, you know, if, if it's Trevor Lawrence and, and C.J. Stroud, and it's like, all right, you know, first to 300 yards and three touchdowns, I think I favor Stroud in that scenario.
2: I I would as well. And and I I still think that Trevor Lawrence is the better quarterback overall if we had to like, you know, redraft all the quarterbacks. But Mm -hmm. Stroud is in a a more favorable setup right now, uh, I think, to to
1: have success in Lawrence where Lawrence is playing on expert mode. Thanks to Press Taylor. Yeah, don't don't say that man's name. I I, I lean Houston here. I I think I, I think this game, I mean. It's such a huge opportunity, right? I mean, Houston had no expectations coming into the year, and to to have the opportunity now to to really take control of the AFC South, you know, they'd be tied in the standings, but Houston would have the firm tiebreaker with two wins over the Jags. I, I, it's hard not to to back C.J. Stroud in this offense right now. Buccaneers, Colts, Indy, two and a half point favorites at home. Our total is forty-four. Colts have been kind to us this season, John. I feel like every time we've thrown them in the circuit card, they, it's paid off. Uh, you know, most recently a couple of weeks ago in that just brutal game against New England that they they ended up winning and covering. That was the first time all year that they have not scored at least 20 points. They were the only team in the league that had done that going into week 10. Uh, you know, extra week to prepare now for a Tampa Bay team that just played the 49ers. Like teams, teams always come out just like bruised and battered after playing San Francisco and you know, I actually thought Tampa Bay hung in pretty well, probably should have covered. I mean, they had like four drives in the fourth quarter that ended up falling short and, you know, good on the San Francisco defense, but uh, you know, I thought Tampa Bay kind of showed up and after a big first half from San Francisco, they weren't really able to move the ball all that much in the second half and especially late. Uh, but, you know, I really like Indy here, maybe not quite enough to throw them on the card, but I, I think this is a good spot uh, for the, the Indy passing game, which of course, has a ton of variance with Gardner Minshew. He's like the, the white Jameis in a lot of ways. Um, so we have to acknowledge that. But again, after playing San Francisco, you know, it, it's kind of a joke that, you know, after playing them, you're beat up, but it's it's also a reality for Tampa Bay because Levante David, Jamel Dean, Carlton Davis, you know, three of their right. what five best players on the defensive side of the ball might not play in this game.
2: Right. So that, that's definitely a problem for, for Tampa um, but I, I think Indianapolis's defense is very bad. Mario w- was bringing up a good point uh, in favor of of Tampa Bay on the podcast earlier, pointing to the fact that you know b- basically we value these quarterbacks about the same, right? Baker Mayfield and, and Gardner Minshew, who has the better weapons and who has the better matchup, and you you would say Tampa Bay does. You, get, you got Mike Evans, you got Chris Godwin, and you have an Indianapolis defense that uh, is allowing basically as many points a- as Indianapolis is scoring for their own part as well. So, you know, obviously this indie offense clicks along pretty nicely, but they give it right back to the opposing team. So I'm actually inclined to, to go with, with Tampa here. So if we're split, we'll probably leave this off the card, of mm-hmm. course, but um, I, yeah, I would side with
1: Tampa Bay in this spot. See, I don't think either team is going to be able to run the ball, right? Like Indy struggle with that the last few weeks, you're running into a great run defense in Tampa Bay and Tampa. We just, you know, they with all due respect to Rashad White, you know, they try every week. It it very rarely works out well. Um, And, you know, if it comes down to Baker Mayfield versus Gardner Minshew, you you take Baker there.
2: I would, I would. Uh, Two guys that are just, uh, you you don't feel great about them being the quarterback of your team, but I I think the two of them together could actually make for a pretty entertaining game here on on, on Sunday and what, what, you know, kind of otherwise, you know, you wouldn't look at this game on the slate and be like, "Oh, actually." But uh, you know what? Especially given what else we got, where we got the the Pats and the Giants and, and the Panthers and Titans, yeah. I but Bucks Colts is priority watching over those, so it's going to be Jags Texans getting their own screen, and then uh, yeah, I'm I'm down for a little uh, double box with with uh, Bucks
1: Colts and uh, Bengals Stillers. All right, well, we'll agree to disagree on that one. Can we agree at least that we like the over on 44? Oh, we, do. we absolutely do. Yeah, that's that's a great number. Take the over on 44. That's the best bet for Bucks. colts uh, John, you mentioned it. We got to talk about it. We'll try to keep this one to like a minute. Patriots-Giants, my God, the totals is 33 and a half. The Patriots are three and a half point favorites on the road at the New York Giants. I, I want to stay far, far away from this one. I would love to say that it's a good spot for New England, but I, I don't know if we can confidently say that. We don't even know who's going to be under center. P- plus three three Plus
2: three and a half? I'm am t- taking the team that was getting points in in this one. Give me the G-men. Give me the G-men. I know last week it was probably more with just like weird divisional stuff and and Washington uh, finding a way to be the first team since 1984 to to sack the opposing quarterback nine times and lose by double digits. Um, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take the Giants here. Maybe there's a, a little bit of a spark with uh, with Tommy DeVito. I would just uh, I will say and I said this on the pod with Mario and I'm mm-hmm. sure that you you deal with it too being a heavy Twitter user as well. I wish there was a way that we could mute Soprano's memes uh uh during Giants games. That, it, was, it was played that,
1: out a quarter into his first game.
2: Yeah. Like I, I was done with Soprano's memes in like 2019 and they they still are out there uh you know that i this is a you know there's a lot of thanksgiving psas about you know don't put a frozen turkey in the deep fryer stuff like that but my my psa to our listeners is mm-hmm. don't don't soprano's meme when tommy devito's on the screen
1: all right we got a, a just a money idea here from our guy Benson. He says hear me out on this let's move new england and new york and carolina tennessee to canton have them play on the same field at the same time in the ultra mega hall of fame game. I love this. I absolutely love this idea. Two games going on in the same field. Yes.
2: Give me all that. Yeah. That how else, I mean, what better way to make those games watchable than having what 44 men occupy you know, a hundred yards of of field. That's a beautiful idea. That's that's galaxy brain that, that we we've come to expect from
1: our guy, Benson. Uh, power lifter USA says, uh, here's his parlay for the Thursday slate, by the way, take the lions money line, uh, get alt lines on San Francisco and Dallas, take the Niners at two and a half Dallas, three and a half. I'm okay with that. Yeah.
2: That's the teaser. It's not the Benson pleaser, but it's the teaser. No.
1: Yeah. Much, much different from the pleaser. Uh, last thing I'll say on Pat's giants, John is the, you know, for so long, you could kind of ride the bill Belichick against a terrible inexperienced quarterback narrative. Is, Is that still alive in any way? I don't think so. I I really don't. Uh
2: the, the mystique's gone. I, I think uh w- with each passing week, uh we're seeing where Belichick definitely benefited from, you know, I think he he did an unbelievable job uh being the architect of that Patriots team for you know 20 years or so, but the roster's just not good anymore. So even even if uh the, the scheme stuff was still as sharp with Bill and it's not. Um, I, I don't think that they have the Jimmys and Joes to to overcome the X's and O's here. So I, I, I don't think that they really have that that same mystique anymore.
1: All right. That brings us to Panthers-Titans, one of the participants in the ultra-mega Hall of Fame game, which will be happening in Canton with both teams playing on the same field. Uh, Titans, given three and a half at home to the Carolina Panthers, 36 and a half is our total. If there's a chance for the Panthers to get their second win of the year, is this one of those spots? I'm saying it's a Will Levis bounce back game. I, I think the Titans get, get off the mat here. I, th- I think that uh,
2: the Panthers just really are that bad. I think that they they put their stamp, they they stake their claim to being the worst team in the NFL coming out of this game. So at three and a half, it, you hate trusting either of those teams with that. And you know, generally I'd be inclined to, to just take the points on either side of this one, but I think the Titans get this one done
1: it's really hard to put stock in, in Carolina right now. And, you know, we're like bouncing back and forth between play callers. Uh, you know they feel like they're kind of grasping at straws. Frank Reich has aged like 40 years since taking that job. And it, it just feels like after every loss, you could picture him like walking up to, uh, to, to David Tepper's office and just getting a tongue lashing. It, it just feels like that relationship is doomed. Like I, I don't know if he makes it through the year. I, I think firing a coach in this situation makes no sense, but I also think like out of frustration, like if, if they get housed in one of these games, it might just be time to pull the plug, you know, from from Tepper, and they're they're just a, a rudderless ship right now, and you know they they have no ability to to rip off big plays. That that's the thing that stands out most to me when I watch Carolina. It's like they're not they're not completely incompetent. Like you you watch teams like you know the Giants for the most part, you know the Jets, even the Patriots. It's like some of these things that these teams are doing are like borderline laughable. And like I don't get that with Carolina. They're just they're just like boring. They're slow. You know, it's it's third and eight, and they're throwing it four yards and getting tackled immediately. Like I just. It, it, it almost feels like they're playing to lose like it's just a it's a really strange team to evaluate
2: yep uh, but i alluded to the to the Bryce young uh throw heat map uh, a couple weeks ago it still remains the same he cannot throw it over the middle it's it's shortened to the boundary and uh the mm. corner just comes up and makes the play and stops adam Thielen, and that's kind of it and then uh you know miles Sanders going for two yards and uh we're punting so that that's just kind of what the the panthers experience
1: is yeah. it's gross. Uh, Give me the Titans. Yep. All right. I like it. I like it. Uh, Let's move on to Rams Cardinals. Kind of a fun game. I guess technically a fun game in the NFC West. This game's in Arizona. The Cardinals are one point favorites at home and our total is forty-four and a half. I would be very wary of including this one on the circuit card, John, because I don't know if we're going to get any injury confirmation on Cooper Cup or Puka Nakua before that initial deadline tonight.
2: Right. And, and, you know, it's said as a, as a pick them over there, I will say, even if the, the Rams were at full strength in the line, what was a pick them still, I'm still on the Cardinals here. I think that they are a better team with, with Kyler Murray back at the helm that they're, they're out of the basement. Uh, if nothing else, are, are they a top 20 team still probably not, but um, I think that there, there's still enough there. Um, You got James Connor back in the fold too. Um, I, I do a radio spot out in Phoenix uh, on Tuesdays, my guy, Bob Kemp, uh, he noted that Kaiser White is out for the season, so that that does hurt the, the uh, Cardinals' defense a bit. But even still, something's up with the Rams on, on offense. I know that they get Kyron Williams back, and fancy people are excited about that. But I don't think that's actually an exciting development. I don't think that he's going to be able to do what he did to the Cardinals earlier this season. It's in Arizona. I like Arizona
1: here. Other than the Clayton Toon game, Arizona has hung around with just about everybody. I thought I thought they played San Francisco about as well as they possibly could have, given the talent discrepancy, given the coaching discrepancy in that game early in the season. That one's always stuck with me. They absolutely should have won last week against Houston. I mean, the Texans were begging the Cardinals to win that game. And they, they had like three drives that felt like they were moving right down the field, got to like the 35-yard line, and then completely stalled out. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not really sold on this Rams team at all. I, I think they had somewhat of a fluky win. Last week against Seattle as well, you know, Seattle should have been up 17, nothing and probably put that game away before halftime ramp season is, is on the line here though. Right. I mean, if they lose this one, any hope of, of grabbing that seven spot, in the NFC is probably out the window, but again, we're monitoring cup and we're monitoring Nakua. Um, you know, cup feels like a true 50, 50 Nakua. We've gotten almost no information. You know, McVay just said on Monday that he has a shoulder injury. We have no idea how severe it is. Um, but if you're already feeling the Cardinals man, and, and there's a chance that one or both of those guys are out, uh, I'm certainly not going to talk you out of that.
2: And uh, it, I think a, an anecdote that I think the listeners will like for a little backstage bit for us uh, when we were making our card last week, uh, it was down to the, the Cardinals and the Rams is our last pick. And I text you on Saturday morning, dude, I had a dream that the Cardinals got destroyed.
1: We got to go with the Rams. <laughs> it worked. It sure did. It sure did. I, I think the, the, the Cardinals push in the circuit contest. I think I think it closed at four. Was it five? Oh, but then uh, then the Texans still would have gotten it, right? Well, yeah, what was it? was it 24 19?
2: I think it was five points.
1: Yeah. Either way, we made the right call on the Rams. Yes. And I when I was watching that game, you know, Rams Seattle in the late window. And I in my in my pickup league, which I take very seriously uh, with my, my college buddies, it's you know a high high competition league, not a high money league. Um, but there's a lot of a lot of trash talking going on. Oh, yeah. I thought I picked Seattle. And I was, you know, I was talking all kinds of trash when they're, they're moving the ball down the field. And then somebody's like, dude, you picked the Rams. And I was like, Oh my God, what am I doing? I'm an idiot uh, they end up paying off. So thank you for your dream. And if you, if you have any dreams between now and like 8 PM, what we got to get these picks in uh, by all means, let me know. Um, all right, let's talk Browns Broncos as we move through the late window on Sunday. Uh, really fun game. I, I enjoyed watching both of these teams for various reasons. You know, Denver is, Turning things around, man. I mean, they were. It looked like we were verging on like just total disaster. Like somehow worse than last year early on. And you know, they have been a, a top ten defense really since the the Miami disaster. You know, since week six, I think they're like seventh in defensive DVOA. Uh, that stands out when you watch them. You know, offensively, you're still not blown away. Like they they do feel like they've kind of recommitted to the running game, and that's been a lot more effective. You watch Russell Wilson, and it's like, all right, he'll hit one like crazy throw to Cortland Sutton at some point during the game. He'll have one or two to Judy. And then everything else is like these design screens, these tunnel screens, these dump offs to tight ends like they're it feels like they're being very, very careful with Russell Wilson
2: that they are. But, you know, the the results, uh, it's hard to argue with with them Uh, of late. I thought there was an impressive win over the Vikings this past weekend on Sunday night. Um, You you know, Cleveland, the deep the defense has to do it from here on. I I think that DTR played well enough last weekend against the Steelers and everything. but. I I don't really trust him on the road in this spot against Denver. I think Denver's playing well enough on offense to where like they'll be able to get to like 17, maybe 20 points here. And I'm just dubious that the Browns are going to be able to to answer offensively. And and eventually the defense is going to run out of steam during this game, give up a score. So I I like Denver to cover this one. I think it's going to be a hard fought game. Uh, that probably isn't decided until the until the final minutes. That's kind of how both of these teams have been having their games uh, results over the course of the season, anyway. And wouldn't su- it wouldn't surprise me if that continues here. But I do like the Broncos.
1: I'm I'm really split on this one. I I lean Denver because of the quarterback play. And you know, good on DTR for for getting the win last week against Pittsburgh. It wasn't impressive. You know, he made some throws on that final field goal drive, uh, which I, I felt like were a couple of his best plays of the entire afternoon but he had to, he dropped back 44 times. <clears throat> you know, I, I, just, I don't think, I don't think that's sustainable, right? Like you need to, you need to be able to get the ground game going if you're Cleveland. And I don't know if that's going to happen. Like I, I thought Denver did a pretty good job against Minnesota. Um, obviously mm-hmm. they did a great job against Kansas city a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you know, shut down the bills to some degree, although the bills shot themselves in the foot four times in that game. The, the thing that would hold me back on Denver is, you know, their last three wins especially have been almost entirely due to timely forced turnovers. And you can say that's a skill for some teams. You know, it, it, other people would say it's a fluke, but they forced twelve turnovers over the last three games, and they've only committed two of their own. Like, can can that continue? Right? Like, if you're not if you're not forcing two, three, four turnovers in a game, can Denver hang in?
2: With uh, with with Dorian Thompson Robinson on the other side, I say absolutely. Yeah. And if if DTR uh, didn't turn it over at all last week, uh, I'm I'm blanking on whether he did or not. I think not. he did. He had he had one. OK, he had one uh, that could that could easily be three this week, yeah. frankly, so that, that maybe that that will be a concern for Denver mm-hmm. moving forward. But against a, a quarterback that that I believe is as turnover prone as DTR is, especially if they ask him to drop back 30, even 30, right. 35 times that I think they're they're begging for trouble there. And, I, you know, the the combo of uh, Jerome Ford and Kareem Hunt, I don't think it's enough to carry them and kind of offset the
1: the lack of quarterback play. Yeah, if you could if you tell me that Thompson Robinson attempts more than 30 passes in this game, I think Denver wins. I think that's not a good yeah. sign for Cleveland. No, all right. Not at all. Yeah, well we'll have to discuss how strongly we feel about that cuz I you're you're making me feel a little bit better about the Broncos and you know at one and a half, I don't mind that number. Chiefs Raiders. AFC West. Kansas City looking to get back on the right side of things. They I, I thought for the second time this season John drops costs or cost Kansas City a game. You know, it was the case in week 1 against Detroit. I don't think we can say that was the case when they lost to Denver. Um, but now two of their three losses have been almost entirely pinned uh on drops. And it's not only, you know, Marquez Valdez Scantling, that's the one that's gonna catch most of the attention. The Travis Kelsey drop on third down, you know, when when you know Kansas City really needed to to move the ball, burn some clock, that was huge. And the Kelsey fumble as well. Yeah, you know, he's he's good for like one killer fumble a year. So hopefully he got that out of the system. I, I don't think you know that's gonna be a trend or anything, but I'm not anywhere close to panicking on KC. I want to be clear on that. They just won the super bowl. You know, I, I, they, they get as much benefit of the doubt as anybody, but it just, I feel bad for Mahomes. Like that was another thing I I thought watching that game. It's like, he's, he's such a good sport about it. He's such a good guy. Like he's never going to have like the Brady Rogers reactions, but he just looks lost. He's just like, you you gotta be kidding me, man. Like I'm I'm giving you perfect throws in perfect situations. And I, I, this is not something that you fix week to week. I don't even know if it's something you could fix between now and the playoffs. Right. And I still think Kansas city probably wins 12, 13 games and they'll, they'll be the one of the two seed in the AFC. And it certainly helps that, you know, Cincinnati is no longer a player and Buffalo may no longer be a player. Like they, they might very well make the super bowl, but I I just, these drop issues, man, are, it's really, really tough to account for because it, it just feels like it could rear its ugly head at any point. And obviously it did last week.
2: Yeah. And like, exactly. Like where is the fix exactly? Because I think they like, Kelsey's usage is already maxed out, and may- maybe the returns on Kelsey at this stage, you know, people have for a couple of years like been wondering where the cliff is with him because you know he's just a few months younger than Rob Gronkowski. Like it's crazy that that he's been as effective as he has for for this long, um, and there's really no other legit options in this group. So with with the drops, it's like Mahomes is putting the ball right on the money. That that MBS one, a couple of Justin Watson instances sky yeah. Moore, him not developing and Kadarius tony that that trade being a flop i think it were, are two things that have set this offense back so mahomes you, i mean we're trying to trying to figure out how i want to phrase this but uh basically uh since i've been been home all week I, i've been uh indulging in a lot of uh like esp like first take and the herd and oh boy. stuff and they, oh boy. It, it, I, yeah it's just like i'm on vacation mentally so i want i want to see uh, what what they all got to say and and they there were some good stats being dropped about uh the the lack of scoring for the chiefs in the second half uh that that didn't just exist last <laughs> week but it's been a long standing trend of theirs and that's a problem so again does it really matter against the raiders Unlikely in the long term. I am skeptical that this team can win the Super Bowl. Um, but for for this week, is it eight and a half or, or nine and a half at circa? Uh,
1: is... I, I I think it's eight and a half.
2: At eight and a half, I I like them to to do it this week. I, I think that you know the Raiders were were obviously able to give the the Dolphins a bit of a better game than a lot of people expected last weekend, and they returned home. But I, I think that the the chiefs will be able to get this done, but, but yeah, consider me concerned about uh, the the team's ability to to repeat as champions.
1: Three straight games now without a second half touchdown for Kansas city. They're averaging under six second half points per game on the year. So this is not just a recent trend. I mean, it's something that's plagued them throughout the season. They've already had five games where they've scored 20 or fewer points. They only had three of those all last season. Uh, So there are real problems with this Kansas city offense and, at eight and a half, it's it's probably a stay away for me. I think the Raiders are playing with a lot of confidence, especially after, you know, shutting down uh the Miami offense last week, even in a loss. I think the defense played about as well as it could. But, you know, I, I also think we we have not even mentioned the Chiefs defense, which is the only reason that they were in that game against Philly, right? I, I mean that was that was as impressive as the defense has played against the Eagles, especially in the first half. I mean, Jalen Hurts was sacked five oh, yeah. or six times in the first half alone. That's a guy that's he's tough to break down like twice over the course of a game, let alone five times in a half. So even if we're skeptical, even if we're skeptical uh, of the Kansas city offense, I, I think the Raiders are going to have a tough time, you know, getting, getting to like 17 or 20 in this game.
2: Right. It, it, exactly. So that, that, that really is kind of like the, the difference maker here is just, you know, how well uh, Kansas city is playing on the defensive side of the ball.
1: Yeah. Like the, the Raiders he's going Vegas. Okay. Hmm. All right. Well, that, okay. that, that doesn't make me feel great. You, you said he's in the top 15, by the way, John, I don't know if you caught that comment earlier. Uh, in the circuit contest, I, it's a stay away for me. I don't feel strongly about one side or the other, and I don't, I don't want to put faith in the Chiefs, right? I mean, even when the Chiefs have been rolling in the past, it feels like the Raiders have always shown up against the Chiefs. Like they always play weird games.
2: That's true. They they absolutely do. Um, was it last year? Let's see. Yeah, la- last year I believe with the the week eighteen game uh, out in Vegas, like where where the Chiefs toyed with them and they did the little uh, like sugar huddle thing. Uh, I don't think we'll see, I don't think the Chiefs are having that much fun right now.
1: No, I don't think so. I don't think we see any of those antics. Uh, Bills-Eagles is our final game in the late window on Sunday. Uh, you know, it weirdly feels like it's kind of loss of luster, mostly because of the Bills, but still a, a premier game, no question, and, and a huge, huge spot for Buffalo. I mean, especially with the Eagles getting that win last week, they are in great shape in the NFC playoff picture, but Buffalo's got to make some hay, and they are very, very lucky, I think, that Joe Burrow went down because that, that's going to help them I think, find their way into the playoff field. Uh, How much stock do we put in Buffalo, you know, bouncing back in some ways last week against the Jets? Yeah,
2: I've been going back and forth on on that all week because it was a a pretty good offensive performance uh, by the Bills against one of the best defenses in football. But I think at the same time, the Jets were putting its own defense uh, in such tough spots throughout the course of the game, all the short drives and everything to where it's like, uh, i mean of course the dam was, was going to break eventually and it did so um there, there's that to keep in mind like you know how much do you take away from that offensive performance coming in here but i, I think there is something to be said where where I, like the pressures on the bills to to get wins and and you know put themselves back in the playoff picture but i feel like it's not as pressure packed in this particular spot as as it normally would be if they were you know a, a team that was Yeah, seven and seven and four coming into this game, something like that. I think they can play a little bit looser here. And I think that there's also something to be said for uh, this Eagles defense that if those drops were caught, that secondary was getting torched by not great receivers. And you have a very solid receiving core in in Buffalo with, with Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis and Khalil Shakir starting to show up a little bit and Dalton Kincaid playing pretty well of late. So, I don't know. Like this could be. I think more than anything, I'm inclined to say that this turns into a bit of a shootout. I like the over, even though it's pretty high. I think it's 48. As far as picking a side here, I keep going back and forth. I can't get comfortable enough with either side to put it on the card. Maybe you can make a better case for it. I think the Eagles win, but I can. There's just too many ways in which I can see that the Bills. Um, you know, being able to do it, especially with the Eagles kind of having to put everything that they had into that win on Monday night.
1: Yeah, I, I'm sympathetic to that argument, you know, technically a short week for Philly, but you're coming back home. Um, I, I I just, I love the spot for the Philly offense. I, I think we can, we could talk all we want about, you know, Buffalo being disappointing in some ways and turning the ball over and firing their offensive coordinator. I've never really been of the belief that the offense has been the issue. I think the turnovers have been really the reason that they made that decision to fire Ken Dorsey. And I, I don't think that's on him. Yeah. You know, I think they needed a fall guy. And, and, you know, I think that kind of ballooned a narrative that was, wasn't really true. Right. I, I think it was Mina times yeah. who threw that tweet out last week saying like, yeah, every single, you know, major advanced stat indicates that the bills are still an elite offense. Uh, I'm worried about the defense that, that to me is the bigger concern here. Like, Ken, you know, we, we saw Philly, you know, struggle against Kansas city for three quarters. Um, I I think this is a much easier matchup, right? It's a, it's a bill's defense that slipped that's had some injuries. Um, But if this turns into a shootout, I I probably want to stay away. Like I I do think the bills, I think the bills could score with Philly. It's just a matter of who could get more stops. And I, I, I trust the Eagles here. Like I'm pretty firm on the Eagles winning this game, but at three and a half, I'm not going to push for it to be on the circuit card. Uh, Let's get to your team, John. They're playing on Sunday night. Ravens at the LA chargers. Call me a sucker. I love Baltimore minus three and a half on the road.
2: I do, too. And I, I actually, unfortunately for us, this isn't like a super public pick. It's actually fairly split um, that the, like 54 percent of the bets or of the money, I'm sorry, is on Baltimore here. So we're not we're not looking at the 70, 80 plus percent that we, we are for some of those other picks or the the Thursday games that, that we like um, as well. I know losing Mark Andrews stinks for, for the Ravens. And that could, you know, kind of uh lower their, their overall ceiling this season a little bit. But I think quietly, Odell Beckham playing pretty well of late. Um, he he looks a little bit kind of similar to how he used to look. And that's been a nice refreshing development. Uh, Rashad Bateman has looked a little bit better of late. The defense is still very strong. They're gonna need to, the linebackers are gonna have to come correct as far as stopping Austin Eckler as a pass catcher because he's kind of like that chain mover uh in the passing game Justin Herbert's been playing extremely well of late I, I do think it helps that Baltimore supposed to get Marlon Humphrey back so his physicality against Keenan Allen who's been a little bit dinged up in his own right I think that that certainly plays to Baltimore's advantage um there's no real home field advantage for for the Chargers um I think that Baltimore goes in there and and you know makes Eh, maybe not a statement, but I, I think that they, they're going to be able to, to cover this one. And I, I think that this one uh, should indeed be on the card.
1: Yeah, I wonder if there's a little bit of hesitancy on Baltimore just you know, after the Mark Andrews injury. And i that's big. It, it certainly impacts things. But I don't know that it impacts this game as much as it does, you know, the AFC title game. Right. You know, I, I'm right. not I'm not super concerned about that Bengals or Bengals Ravens coming in on a long week as well. Uh, you know, barely a true road game as far as what the crowd is going to look like out there um and and the chargers to me just seem like a dead team walking they've kind of been that way all year but to lose that game at green bay the way they did uh to see justin herbert react the way he did like you almost never see that right you see no emotion from this guy and he's he's now to get the offensive lineman he's despondent you know brandon staley's getting after it with reporters he's just uh, I, i don't know brandon staley's not a good coach man and this defense without joey bosa too that's another thing uh already a shaky defense you lose him austin eckler looked awful Last week, yep. he, he did hit his over 55 and a half yards that we handed out, but it did look great. uh looked kind of more like a Jerome Bettis uh, type of performance from Austin Eckler. And <laughs> the, the Chargers have allowed over 300 yards rushing over the last two weeks to Detroit and Green Bay. Like Green Bay can't run the ball. Aaron Jones got hurt early in that game, and Green Bay still got over 100 rushing yards. I mean, they're, I, I think Baltimore is going to tear them up.
2: Yeah. I mean, uh you, you don't want to have a bad run defense when you're playing against Baltimore. Like, not only can Lamar Jackson hurt you in that sense, but um, you know, Gus bus has been ridiculous yep. that this season, especially in short yardage situations and Keaton Mitchell, uh, you know, last week, uh, he didn't get enough touches to, to really, uh, totally tear it up, but this week, he's still going to get those opportunities. I think, he, you know, we're looking at seven or eight Keaton
1: Mitchell carries. And one of those could be, you know, down the sideline for a big damage or a touchdown. Hey, yeah. junior Keaton Mitchell. Yeah. This, mm. this could be That's the week right. for him finally. Um, all right, let's get to the Monday night game: Bears, Vikings, Minnesota, three and a half point favorites. We've got a lot of three and a halfs on the board this week. I think that right now at DraftKings, there's five games that are sitting at three and a half. Uh, you know, obviously, hard not to like what Minnesota is doing right now, even after the loss to Denver. You know, Josh Dobbs has got to breathe new life into this team. They're still in pole position for that wild card spot in the NFC. But what do you say at three and a half here? Is that is that a little too much?
2: I think it is. Uh, I think the Bears having Justin Fields back, um, you know, kind of getting the, the fruits of the labor with, with the, their trade deadline move to, to get Montez Sweat. Um, I think the defense looks a little bit better. They are able to turn Jared Goff over a lot last week, something that Goff has been, you know, able to escape from the entirety of this season until last weekend. So uh, you run into a quarterback that we kind of feel like is maybe not on borrowed time, but that like the other shoes got to drop with, with Dobbs at some point. And I, I don't think you can say that like he was completely oh. at fault for, for them losing, uh, last weekend in Denver, but I, and maybe the bears really aren't the team to, to be the one that that make him look, uh, mortal once again, but I, more than a field goal, it's just a little bit tough, tr- tough to trust the Vikings, uh, and it doesn't look like Justin Jefferson is going to be ready for it, for this one, for, from what I've seen. Again, again, we're recording a little bit earlier, so we don't know quite as much. We don't have the Thursday injury reports, but it doesn't sound like sound great for for him being able to go. I like the Bears to to keep this one close.
1: Yeah, I, I feel the same way. I, I think at three and a half, I lean Chicago. I, I still think Minnesota wins this game by a field goal. I don't, I don't think they're losing at home to the bears uh you know justin fields i, I thought uh, comported himself fairly well last week especially as a runner and, and obviously that's just something that tyson Bajan wasn't really giving them and you know the first time these teams met we didn't really get a representative sample right that was the that was the bajin game uh you know his right. debut and, and kirk cousins was still that quarterback for minnesota so i think you kind of throw that one out you know i i don't i don't know that the other shoe has to drop a Dobbs. like I, i'm not saying he's going to be you know an mvp candidate or anything like that but i he's been doing this all year, right? Like, I don't think this is some like crazy two game run for him. Like it's, it's not a a Mm -hmm. Linsanity situation, Uh, like the ability to evade sacks. Right. I mean, there were three or four times he should have been dead to rights. One of them, he ended up throwing a touchdown uh, against Denver. You know, this is a bad bears defense. It's a good run defense, but Minnesota you know struggles to run the ball. Anyway. I don't think that really changes the game plan all that much. And Chicago dead last in passing EPA, uh, you know, in the NFL right now. So, if there's a way to exploit them, it's through the air. And I I think Dobbs, even without Justin Jefferson, like I I think they can get this done.
2: Yeah. I mean, they they do have Hawkinson and Addison. It's not like they're hurting for for playmakers, but you know, Jefferson obviously puts them over the top in that sense. But yeah, I just, I think it's also pretty interesting the way that, that fields ran last week. I mean, that was definitely the most active he's been as a runner all season. I don't know if he doesn't fully trust the thumb just yet, or if that was part of the game plan, but honestly, Justin Fields, if you guarantee me that that he's going to be running 15 plus times, I think that makes the Bears even more dangerous.
1: All right, John, let's get to the parlays, the teaser, and the locks of the week. Let's get a little bit reckless here. What do you got for us? Okay, so my parlay, this is just
2: for, for Thursday. Um, the Turkey Day parlay, give me Dallas, minus 12 and a half. Give me Jake Ferguson, uh, first touchdown, plus 750, so that, that – those two things tethered together that pays out 12 to one.
1: Okay. Okay. I like it. We're going heavy on the Jake Ferguson props today. Uh, I'm, I'm going just with a you know classic three team money line parlay, John. We are taking the Baltimore Ravens. We're taking the Houston Texans and we are taking the Pittsburgh Steelers. Those three money lines pay out plus four eighty uh, If you hit all three teaser this week, we're going with a six and a half pointer. Uh, we are teasing the Detroit lions down to minus one that they're at seven and a half we are teasing the dallas cowboys from 12 down to five and a half we are teasing the san francisco 49ers from seven uh down to 0.5 so that gets you to plus 150 on the six and a half pointer okay we we like that a lot I, i don't show me where it loses i don't see it i i think i think the the potential for you know catastrophe here would be somehow Dallas just not showing up and, you know, Dak turning it over three times in the first half and they, they win that game by a field goal. Um, but you know, unfortunately there was not a like 12 point teaser available. So Detroit minus one Dallas, five and a half San Francisco just has to win that game straight up against Seattle plus plus one uh, Who is your best bet slash lock of the week for week 12, John? Uh, it
2: would be the, the San Francisco 49ers minus seven. Uh, so that that's just kind of standard but if if i were feeling so inclined uh you can get them for plus 165 if you bet them minus 13 and a half i don't know if anyone else is feeling that crazy but uh, it wouldn't completely shock me and uh you know i would toss on uh McCaffrey scoring two touchdowns in that one i i'm not technically proficient enough to to get that uh dialed up uh right, right this second on on the old partley cal- calculator but uh, I would also package those two up as the, the Niners minus seven or minus 13 and a half, whichever you prefer. And then McCaffrey, two or more touchdowns.
1: Okay. Uh, quick news item to pass along. Just got an alert that Aaron Jones is officially out. Uh, kind of figured that would be the case, but I want to pass that along for the live listeners. Uh, John, my best bet, I'm going with your Ravens. I'm taking Baltimore minus three and a half. They're going on the road. I know it's a long trip, cross country, uh, but you know extra time to prepare after playing on Thursday. And I, I think this Chargers team is, is dead, man. I think this could be it for Brandon Staley if this ends in a blowout. And frankly, I think it will. So I'm taking Baltimore minus three and a half. All right, thanks everybody for listening along live. Uh, Benson, especially our guy, always ride with us in these streams. We appreciate it. Uh, you can listen, of course, to the archive version on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Best of luck if you're betting NFL week 12. If you're listening to this pod, we sure hope you are. We'll be back next week.